0: Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, continuing the meeting celebrities theme this season, I wanted to talk about the time that I bumped into two Hollywood legends. I was working at AMC Networks, and we sponsored a screening of Goodfellas. It was in celebration of an anniversary, 20, 25, 30. I haven't worked out the math. After watching the movie, which was my first time seeing it, There was a panel which featured Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, Lorraine Bracco, and Paul Cervino. Joe Pesci appeared via satellite. It was an incredible night with some great insight from the actors. As everyone was filing out of the auditorium, my friend had to use the restroom, so I waited by this doorway. Then suddenly, out of this Batcave exit, comes Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. And they wait by the door I'm standing at. This was very close to being starstruck, but I was more surprised than anything, and since I can't stand silence, I looked at De Niro, who was closer to me, and said, pretty good movie, and embarrassingly, I was probably doing a slight impression of him, or at the very least, a stereotypical Italian accent, then Scorsese looked over and I said to him, you got a future, and they both laughed. I made Robert De Niro and Martin Scorsese laugh. Pretty proud moment, I must admit. Then they were escorted into the room. And when my friend came back, I didn't have the heart to tell him the story. Now he'll hear it like the rest of you. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard fare. four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie, Mean Streets, from 1973. So how'd I miss it? Well, the 70s in Hollywood was a time where rising filmmakers were pushing the envelope of sex and violence in movies, and it all seemed to start with Bonnie and Clyde in 67, there was a realism to the films now. They were gritty and raw. And while I appreciate that, I've always preferred movies that were set in reality but had a fantastical twist to it, like Jaws, Jurassic Park, E.T. Spielberg was a master at that. I deal with reality every day. I want to lose myself in a film. So while I have nothing against a movie like Mean Streets, it's not my usual go-to. It was directed by Martin Scorsese, who helmed Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino, basically any movie involving gangsters in the last 50 years, and won an Academy Award for Best Achievement in Directing for The Departed, which, let's be honest, was a career achievement Oscar. I know people rave about that movie, but I thought it was slightly above average. The screenplay was co-written by the director and Mardik Martin, who scribed New York, New York, Valentino, and Raging Bull. This is something to look out for. If the church looks familiar, it was also used in The Godfather during the baptism scene. If you're in Manhattan, you can visit St. Patrick's Old Cathedral down in Little Italy. The movie starts with a brief scene before cutting to the main title sequence, which features home movie footage over Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Now, Ronnie Spector died earlier this year, and I think she had one of the most iconic voices. I have a soft spot for Eddie Money's Take Me Home Tonight, which she provided vocals. I hope they're duetting up in heaven. So we meet Charlie Kappa, who's praying at church. He's come out of confession and received penance of ten Hail Marys and ten Our Fathers. Boy, they, they really don't change the playbook in church, do they? But he doesn't feel it's enough to satisfy the sins he's committed. He holds his finger over a votive candle. Charlie is portrayed by Harvey Keitel, known for Reservoir Dogs, From Dust Till Dawn, Mother Jugs in Speed, and was nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Bugsy. At the neighborhood bar, Charlie is joined by Lone Shark Michael Longo, who expresses concerns about Johnny Boy, who owes him money. Charlie says that he'll talk with his friend and straighten him out. When asked why he puts up with that punk, Charlie responds that it's a family thing. He's a good kid. Michael is played by Richard Romanis, who is in episodes of Foul Play, Strike Force, and The Sopranos, where his character was divorced from Dr. Melfi. Johnny Boy makes an appearance at the bar. He's outgoing and flirtatious with the staff. He's accompanied by a couple of ladies he met down at the village. When he goes to buy them a drink and flashes some money, Charlie asks to speak with him in the back room. He confronts Johnny Boy about his debt to Michael, and lack of payment on Tuesday, but he denies it, saying he did in fact give money. Charlie suggests they straighten things out with Michael when Johnny Boy confesses he misremembered and didn't actually pay him. Johnny Boy explains that he had the cash, but ran into his neighbor who he owed money to, gave some to his mother, lost the rest gambling. After he's done with his litany of excuses, Charlie takes the money he has and smooths things over with Michael, for the time being. Johnny Boy is portrayed by Robert De Niro, who starred in The Deer Hunter, Taxi Driver, The King of Comedy, and won an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for The Godfather Part II, and Best Actor in a Leading Role for Raging Bull. This was his first collaboration with the director, but certainly not his last. So Charlie visits his Uncle Giovanni, head of the family, who he works for in collecting debts, and explains that a restaurant owner named Oscar claims his business is in bad shape and his partner, Grappi, disappeared, so he's unable to make payments. His uncle tells him to be patient. Don't do anything. Yet. Later, Uncle Giovanni warns Charlie to stay away from Johnny Boy as honorable men go with honorable men, and he's been rising through the ranks of the family business. Being a devout Catholic, he wants to help out his friend, but will Johnny Boy's self-destructive ways bring down Charlie? Here's a quote without context. I like spaghetti and clam sauce, mountains, Francis of Assisi, chickens with lemon and garlic, John Wayne. Mean Streets has all the elements that will weave through the directorial filmography of Martin Scorsese, but it's so interesting to watch the seeds being planted, It definitely feels like an independent film and has that 70s grittiness to it. There were a few sequences where handheld cameras were utilized, which I've never liked. I suppose in action sequences it can work, but when you're filming people talking and the camera is moving, it really bothers me. I read that they didn't have the budget to rent tracks for tracking shots, so I won't hold that against the production. I've worked on independent films where you just have to do what you need to do. We put a cameraman in a wheelbarrow and pulled it to recreate a tracking shot. While we filmed a scene in a bathroom, I was in the tub with the sound equipment. Independent filmmaking at its finest. The storyline is fairly simplistic, so there are moments where you're just watching the actors live within a scene. That's not necessarily a criticism, because the highlight of the film are the performances. The interactions between De Niro and Keitel were incredible. Their back-and-forth dialogue was so smooth, with less experienced actors, it would feel rehearsed. I've always liked De Niro as an actor, but I think he's either underrated or undervalued these days because his acting style has become so uniquely ingrained in the culture that when you see his earlier work, such as Mean Streets, you're blown away by his performance. He's so good, in fact, that when he doesn't appear on screen, it tends to drag a little. He's the energy of the movie. The funniest part is when he rattles off names of people in the neighborhood. Jimmy Sparks, Joey Clams, Frankie Bones. It amuses me. Now for a little trivial trivia. Francis Ford Coppola contributed money to the budget of the film, half of which went to securing the rights to the soundtrack songs. The cinematography was captured by Kent L. Wakeford, whose filmography includes Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Total Exposure, and L.A. Law. It was edited by Sidney Levin, who worked on Nashville, Norma Ray, and Nuts. There was no score which was interesting to experience. Most movies have even an incidental score. I'm not sure I've watched a movie where there wasn't an orchestral score. Was this the first? Alphonse! Alphonse! Look that up for me! But popular music was utilized in its place. The soundtrack featured songs by the Rolling Stones, the Chantels, Derek and the Dominoes, the Ronettes, and Cream. The runtime is 1 hour, 52 minutes. The film was shot in 26 days. It had a budget of $500,000 and grossed $3 million at the box office. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. Add half a star if you like the 70s, realistic-type movies. If you've seen Mean Streets and have opinions on the movie... Let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along. Each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called that Playback. There's a very famous picture of construction workers having lunch on a beam during the building of the RCA building in 1932 which is now known as the Comcast Building or 30 Rock. It was a staged photograph taken 800 feet in the air by Charles Ebbets, but it captures the spirit of all workers who contributed to the development of Manhattan and their iconic skyscrapers. So I came across some neat little videos which give some background about the iconic image. They're all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about... Dexter, developed by James Manos Jr., based on the novel Darkly Dreaming Dexter by Jeff Lindsay. Last year, when it was announced that Dexter would be returning to the Showtime airwaves, I decided to re-binge the entire series... It starred Michael C. Hall as the titular character, Jennifer Carpenter as his sister Deborah, Julie Benz as his partner Rita, James Remar as his deceased father who serves as his conscience, Lauren Velez as Lt. Maria LaGuerta, his boss and the head of Miami Metro Homicide Department, and David Zayas as his co-worker and friend Angel Batista. During its initial run, I watched every season, but I don't think anything could match the quality of the first season, It had a great balance of comedy and macabre. The fourth season was memorable because of the performance of John Lithgow and a shocking twist. There were some aspects of the show that bothered me. Starting in the second season, Dexter would admit to someone that he was a serial killer. That's not information you just throw out there haphazardly. You'd think he'd be a little more on the DL with that. Hey, I'm a serial killer. Wanna know how I do it? Like, come on, dude. It probably had one of the worst season finales in television history. While I was disappointed, I didn't have the visceral reaction that many fans did. But it was bad enough that they had a redo with the rebooted series, which in itself was an improvement, but didn't feel satisfying either. Plus, he went eight years without anyone finding out he was a serial killer, while working for the police in a major American city and yet in this small town, this one police officer kind of gets on his trail. It's a little far-fetched. I still believe it had more positive moments than negative. I enjoyed re-watching and didn't realize how many storylines and character traits I had forgotten. It's certainly worth the viewing, but just know it's not going to get better as it goes along. Dexter was on for 8 seasons, 96 episodes, from 2006 to 2013. A spin-off Dexter: New Blood was on for 1 season, 10 episodes from 2021 to 2022. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for all the reviews, rants, and randomness. Dexter, developed by James Manos Jr., based on the novel Darkly (laughs) Deep... The movie starts with a brief scene before cutting to the main title sequence, which features home footage movie... Nope.